On this episode of Music Day, a verified hit, we'll ask the question, so how'd you get here? A revelation on the intersection of music and politics with legendary pop songstress Dionne Warwick and hip-hop bluegrass band Gangsta Grass. We're going to tell you stuff people won't tell you. Real talk with experience. we talking business up in here. We're going to give the people what they want. That's what I'm talking about. The press alert for one of today's guests reads, they are creating a shared cultural space for dialogue and connection between folks that never intersect. I wanted to use that quote because it's reflective of the conversation that we'll have today on today's podcast. Let's welcome our guests, Bluegrass Hip Hop Group, Gangsta Grass. Today, we're happy to have two members with us today, Wrench and our son. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yes, and also we have the pop music and R&B legend. It wouldn't be appropriate to, to say, say her name without, without this. The music <laughs> yeah, right. legend, Miss Dion Warwick. Uh, thank you for, for, for being here today. My Lovely. pleasure. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Welcome to Music Day, the podcast that invites you to listen to real life stories of iconic music creators and legendary music executives, those who create the sounds and those who make business careers of it. I'm your host, Billy Johnson Jr. I want to set up today's um, discussion. In many ways, the dichotomy is powerful music, the art and the commerce we are engaged in as a business activity and artistic endeavor can appear frivolous and superficial, yet music can also be a channel. It can be a funnel for some of the most serious and most pivotal moments of our collective lives. Artists like Stevie Wonder, Gil Scott Heron, Public Enemy, to name a few, are some of the obvious um, manifestations of this, but there are more, especially including today's guests. We're gonna cover a lot of interesting ground, ground today, and so um, let's get ready. I wanna tell you a little bit more about Ms. Dion on Warwick. I know you know these things, but we, we need to, you know, we need to, to celebrate and honor her. Ms. Dionne Warwick is a five-time Grammy winner whose career spans from the 1960s to 2020. She set the bar in pop and R&B music from 1962 when Blacks were marching, 1963, the March on Washington, the Freedom Rise in 1961, the Birmingham church bombing in 1963 before Martin Luther King was assassinated in April, uh, 1968. She received her first Grammy in 1968 for Do You Know the Way to San Jose. Uh, she has reigned as a pop princess. That was the backdrop. Uh, the social context of her ascent. She was, uh, a, she was a genre breaker indeed. Moreover, in life, she was appointed U.S. Ambassador of Health by President Ronald Reagan in 1987. And 2002, she was named a global ambassador for food and agriculture. Uh, she was part of the We Are the World Live Aid in 1984, and she was the first um, her her recording, um, the first recording dedicated to AIDS awareness. That's what friends are for. I mean, this is just in incredible. And again, <laughs> this conversation about um, everything that's happening today um, with the uh, activism, the protests, the how people are feeling and how it intersects with music. That's the conversation that we want to have today. So again, we're very honored to
to have um, to have these artists with us today. And um, we um, so for people also, I want to to note that um, that Gangster Grass. I just commend you guys for how you've been making all these all these strides. Some people may have been introduced to you by seeing Justified um, and hearing your music there. But just the activism and the position that you've taken in, in your music, especially with your, your latest works, I, I think is incredible. So you're very fitting for this conversation as well. So I, with Miss um, Dion, we want to go go back with you. Um, how when I was reading some of these things, you know, about that were going on, like right at the beginning of your of your career, um, yeah. how were you how were you feeling? How are you feeling finding the balance of a black woman in this um, in this country dealing with all these things? Um, this beautiful gift you have working with the best um, musicians and songwriters. You know your team was couldn't have been any better, right? And all right. this stuff is going on in the world. Um, how did you deal? How did you deal with all that? You know, um, during the sixties, basically I was traveling so much that uh, 90% of the time, I was not really kept in the loop. Um, my first encounter with anything of this nature was literally during my first tour with Sam. We were doing the southern region of the country. And being born in East Orange, New Jersey, uh, I didn't know anything about segregation or discrimination based on the fact that where I lived, my street was virtually the United Nation. We had every race, color, creed, and religion. So, you know, and we interfaced with each other as I do with any of my friends. And they were all, all were my friends. We would walk to school together. We would have sleepovers. We would put our feet under each other's tables. So, you know, what I kind of got to, to know a bit about happened with my very first tour. And, uh, it was it was interesting, <laughs> you know, not ever being confronted with that at home. Um, I just did what I normally do. I went to uh, stores. I went into everywhere I wanted to go. And I got a lot of, oh, you must be from the North, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which was okay, because I let them know, yeah, I am. I'm from New Jersey. And uh, I... I found then and I still find what we're, we're rapidly running back to the 60s with what's going on today. Um, something is so stupid and asinine with no rhyme nor reason. Wow. Um, that's, I, I love um, that you were able to have that, um, you know, you were able to have that experience at home. And it's a beautiful thing that you were able to be in other places and go like, wait a minute, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I've seen, yeah. I've seen something different, you know, and I, and I know this isn't, you know, this is, 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 is isn't, isn't a way. And what I also love about you is that um, as you've, um, you know, your career has spanned all these years and I watched you on Solid Gold and, um, yeah. and my parents you had- me, You music. watch the Solid Gold dances. I know what you Oh, I, I love it. Um, but, but, but you, but you, um, just your spirit, you know, is uh -huh. love, you know? And I feel like you've always emanated that you know, amid all these things that were going on, which I, which I think w w was great. Does that go back to just who you are, you know, as yeah. a person? Okay. Mm -hmm. It does, you know, um, from the very beginning, well, if we're going to 
enter into my my career, I was sold by my mentors, and I had the iconic mentors of our industry who basically embraced me as their baby. And they each, in their own way, said, you be who you are. You cannot be anybody but you. And I like me, so I didn't mind being me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that's, uh, that's great, great advice. And, and, and Wrench, um, I wanted to bring in you into this conversation because what you guys are, are doing with Gangster Grass is so interesting how you've taken these genres that people wouldn't have expected to hear together. I mean, we definitely have seen various incarnations of hip hop and country and, you know, well, all, you know, over, I mean, hip hop really is a mixture of so many different sounds in, in general, but, yes, um, but what was your thought when you decided that, um, you know, you wanted to explore this sound, especially in the context of, you know, what's uh, with the racial divide that, that we have in the, in the world? Well, I started experimenting with this just because it's, that's a lot of my influences. Uh, growing up, my dad's from Oklahoma, so there was honky-tonk playing at home all the time, George Jones, Willie Nelson, that kind of stuff. And growing up in the 80s, I was in third grade when hip-hop became just a, a national thing with the Beat Street and the breakdancing movies and stuff. So me and my friends, we were all putting down cardboard to do our backspin during recess <laughs> you know, with our parachute pants on. And from there, you know, we were all hooked. And so from that, we, we followed that into Run DMC and all of the early hip hop stuff we were listening to nonstop. And when I started uh, producing music, I wanted those hip hop drums and samples and rhymes and stuff. But I also wanted some of that twangy stuff that I'd heard from my dad's music. And so that shit was just like the natural thing of where I wanted to go with it. And that's really just the, the story of American music. Like you were saying about Dion's music, like crossing genres has been what musicians do. The industry sets up these genre divisions and the musicians, we just, we just ignore them and we go where we want to go. So, so with this concept that you had, was it really just bringing your interests together and, and not allowing anyone to put um, boundaries on you or was it, um, or did you really want to make a statement, you know, to let everyone know, like we, you know, should be more open. Wanting to make the music came first and then getting into that, you can't do it without running into the need to talk about how, um, how we're, we're bridging um, these divides. Uh, taking a multiracial band around the country, um, you get into some conversations, you get exposed to things, and you, and you need to share this with people because as much as you're going to want to talk to people about overcoming these divisions by listening to the music together and dancing together with a vision of, uh, of an America where we're all partying together, you realize and you know that that has to come along with some hard conversations. So you got to bring that into the music as well. Yeah, I, I, I love it. Um, and Dion, did, do you, like, when you were experiencing these things and you mentioned that your mentor said, just be yourself, was that, did, was that ever um, a struggle or difficult at any, any times, um, you know, to, to feel that way, especially in some of those instances where, you know, you, you, were, you experienced racism, like, on, on the road? Did that ever make you want to change? Not at all. You know, um, I have never been one to bite my tongue, so, <laughs> you know, and anybody that knows me know that to be true. Um, I just, um, I actually, I was learning. That's what it really boiled down to, uh, learning things that I knew nothing about and, and I really don't want to know anything about. 
but uh, it was there blatantly in front of my eyes, so I had to deal with it. In so doing, I have learned that speaking up and out is something that you have to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never kowtowed to anybody, you know, uh, when I call somebody's office to speak to a certain person, mm-hmm. if it happens to be the president, that's who I want to speak to. I don't want to speak to his secretary, right. <laughs> you know, and we we make that very clear from the very onset of things with me. I find that um, growing up and being taught by my parents, whom I adored and they loved me very much and also felt the same way about my siblings. Um, my grandfather being a minister, when, you know, he said to us when we were very young, we're all put here on this earth for a reason, and that is to be a service to each other. So I still, that's, that is basically my mantra, you know, that of course, if you can think it, you can do it. That was also given to me to think about, but I just feel that what we're going through today probably is a necessary evil, Mm. is exposing our youngsters and giving them a first-hand look at what happened long before they even got here in the 60s. Yeah. All right. As you look, um, and it's great just to have your um, wisdom, right? So when you look at at the generation now who's, um, you know, the, the artist, when you look at how they are responding, you know, are there any particular examples that stand out to you? You're like, whoa, I really like the way that this particular, you know, artist has responded, you know, or use their art or their platform. Right. Well, I'm, I'm finding that um, a lot of the, a lot of us feel that we really don't need to be in the forefront. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm not a, a, I don't, march i don't carry signs i don't do anything i just do mm. you know i think uh, actions speak much louder than words mm. um i have found that in our sports arenas they're they're showing what's up <laughs> you know and they're not taking it anymore uh i watched uh a little naomi uh, play mm-hmm. tennis the other day, and I love her seven steps. I mean, it was wonderful to hear how she has basically grown, mm-hmm. you know, and has started paying attention to what's around her, and uh, she's speaking out, and yeah. that's, that's necessary. Did you, did you notice her with the mask? Was that she had the Brianna Taylor mask, yeah. right? So, so uh-huh. she had a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, she had, yeah, yeah. yeah. seven of them. Yeah, she had seven, seven. And okay, seven represented all seven of her ter- her tournaments. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so um, I'll, that's a, just a beautiful way to use your to use your platform, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, while while you have the world's attention to to make a to make a make a statement, and so our son, uh, you know, as a, one of the MCs in 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 the group, like, what was your thought? Um, yeah, what was your thought about becoming a part of this? this group and how different it was from, you know, some of the other more prominent variations of hip hop. You know, it's funny, uh, the same thing Wrench was saying, uh, it was the same for me too. Uh, I came up uh, around the same time and my dad was was very similar. So my dad was listening to a lot of, uh, he was listening to a lot of Kenny Rogers and listened to a lot of Dolly Parton. And so I, I kind of had some of that. And so, 
with the but my mom my mom had me with a lot of a lot of the soul stuff my mom was was huge on your stuff Mr. Young she, she put me <laughs> onto a lot of your stuff um and so when I started doing music it was all it was already there right and then I was coming up again at the same time with a lot of with, with hip-hop so Public Enemy was was always in my headphones and KRS-One and and De La Soul and a lot of these groups that were very, very positive in what they were saying anyway. Um, and so I, I come from a, a family of, of, of beliefs in Philadelphia. And so we, you know, my brother and I and my cousins and I, we all were, you know, sort of never involved in a, in a, in a whole lot of real drama or anything like that. So, you know, that was what we, that was what we did. It was what we did. It was how we came up, was how we lived. So when I started doing music, you know, the music just sort of, just right. was just expressing all of that, right? So when I got linked up with Wrench, the sound wasn't a thing for me. You know, his beats were great and you know it was just different, different uses usage of melodies as opposed to a sample, just somebody playing something. And so it just worked. It just it was it was very, very easy to just sort of glide in there. And yeah. what we've been doing over the last several years is really building as we're building our fan base really expressing a lot more of what's going on, what we're seeing in the world, and how we're able to express that to a lot of our fans. A lot of our fans, you know, I'm the first rapper they know anything about. Mm. And so for me, it's, it's, it's particularly important to be able to express hip hop culture in an extraordinarily positive way so that any of it becomes positive for them and not yeah. automatically a negative thing. Right. Right. Do you, um, you, you, I really loved you said that um, your, uh, some of your audience, like this is the first time they've been exposed to this much of uh, an, an MC. And so that, that leads to this question, like your audience, uh, do you feel like the, the audience is comprised of people who have similar backgrounds like you and Wrench, where it's a kind of diverse musical or, or have you guys kind of customized, created, you know, this, new audience based on the type of music that you make. Um, I'm really, really curious what, what you're finding and in interacting with your audience. Uh, it's a, it's a bit of, it's a, it's a very interesting melange of folks. Um, I've encountered uh, like really, really old guys that had never listened to any rap music in, in their life. And now every time we go back to their town, they're right there front and center waiting for us to come back and see us. Um, and you know, people's kids were like their favorite band, right? So we're yeah. able to run the whole gamut of age. And the, the best part about it is when you get into that, that middle group of people that are really, uh, doing a lot of the, the affecting of change and so on and so forth, they're the ones that not only are they enjoying the music, but we're getting into their heads with what we're saying. So, um, our son and, and wrench, I know with this, uh, last, uh, the most recent record, you know, you, you're definitely speaking a lot more about race issues. Uh, the freedom song and video, definitely very powerful. The images that you use in the video um, definitely make really strong me messages. How did you feel about, you know, kind of just stepping out there, you know, responding to the times? If I'm correct, uh, this record was created um, partially during this quarantine time, during the pandemic and so forth. The record was the album. We we put the whole thing together uh, during the during the pandemic and all. But freedom we had actually written about a year ago. Hmm. We you know song was created and we just sort of put the whole thing together. Um, 
we had recorded it for the album right before everything got shut down. And then when everything really started, really started to pick up, we decided, you know, we need to, we not only do we need to put this out, but we need to, you know, create something visually for it. Um, and so I was able to reach out to an old friend of mine that was doing some, some video stuff. And we just put that whole thing together in about two weeks. And I got a bunch of our friends to do the, uh, you know, to, to lip sync the chorus and, and that sort of thing. And we really wanted to sort of put together the idea that this is not a new struggle. Um, it's not something that's foreign to us, but it's something that, you know, it's going to, we're going to continue it now. And hopefully, you know, gen, when generations, you know, future generations, they, it's not a struggle they have to have, but it's not something we're going to stop. Right. right. And so, um, so Ms. Dion, so with your music, like, it's funny when you think about that's what friends are for and, uh, you know, and, and it's support of the, of the AIDS awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Because you think of that song and it's just a beautiful song about, about friends. And I feel like that was a nice, a very nice way to spread, you know, the love. And it wasn't, um, you know, it just the way that the way that you, um, that the song was approached was great. Was that the intent, um, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, well, first of all, you have to understand what friendships mean to me. It's like the blood that runs through my veins. That's very, very important to me. And I've been truly blessed in that I have quite a multitude of friends. Um, I find when my recordings have a very spiritual aspect to them. You know, Hal David, I never called him a lyricist. I always called him a poet. And his words were words that he felt from his heart that he wanted to share. You know, when you sing about I Say a Little Prayer for You, which was written during the Vietnam War, it was sending a message to those babies over there fighting that senseless war. And then what the world needs now is love, um, the windows of the world. I mean, everything had a basically a spiritual feeling for me. And I don't know if that's the way he was feeling, but he wrote some very, very powerful words that still stand up today and are capable of using. I, you know, rap, as it has gotten the name of, of whatever that is, I still don't know what that is. <laughs> I call it rhyme. <laughs> okay. When when I when this stuff called what is it called? Oh gang I was the one that they said and I had to confront them on, on that word dis and I said, What is that? Mm -hmm. And they said, Oh disrespect. I said, Well say that you know, and I mean I had meetings and with corrupt and with and I mean, the real gangsters, mm. they all sat in my living room with me in a meeting that I called to ask them if there's a way that you can get your story out without cussing at me. You don't know me that well. <laughs> you can call me out of my name. My name is Dion. 
you know, the last thing I I remember about somebody something with four legs and a tail deserved that name. It was a female four leg tail wagger. <laughs> you know? So, you know, let's 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 also remember your children are gonna grow up and they're gonna say, Hey dad, did you really say that? Did you mean that? You know, I just try to give them something to think about. Yeah. How what was the response when you brought um brought these hip hop artists to your living room and who who, oh, are, they, who, are, who are some they, of them? Can you tell us some of the who who was there? They didn't want to come. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they did, you know. And I like I told them in that meeting, I said, if I didn't care about you, I would not even think about requesting a meeting with you or talking to you about what my concerns are, which eventually will become your concerns. And to this very day, they all now, I mean, I'm known as Mommy D or Auntie D, you know, because they knew that I was embracing them. I was not pushing them away from me. I was pulling them towards me. And one of them was saying, I, I care about you. And I want the best for you. So let's let's try giving me the best. Yeah. I, I love it. Um Rich Wrench and, and our son, have there been any mentors um who've played this kind of role for, for you guys, especially in this new, you know, this new niche that you've created for yourself? I gotta say we feel like we're out here in the wild west. We're just uh trying to blaze the trail. Mm. And, or have there been people who have you looked to, especially considering um, the voice that you have and the types of subjects that you've taken on? Have there been people that you looked at as examples that you maybe wanted to model some of your, you know, positioning after? Um, oh, go ahead, Rich. Go ahead. Uh, well, I know, I know for me, and this was something that, that uh, Dion was mentioning about an artist always needing to, to, to speak up. And reflect things about the world that that reminds me um an inspiration for me was when paul robeson said that the artist has a responsibility to choose uh, oh, what yeah. they're on absolutely right yeah that's a, that's a good one <laughs> and um, our son did you have um something to add to that uh yeah i've been uh like i said this uh hip-hop has been very much uh the, you know probably the biggest influence on my life that wasn't my my dad um and, and and comic books but um i i've been a chuck d guy for a long time uh, chuck d and krs particularly like listening to the two of them uh more recently black thought from just listening to the you know the three of them just not only as not only the way they write but the way that not everything has to be very much in your face there's there's a lot of contours to it a lot of levels to it so again and again as you're listening to it you're picking up something new from um and that's that's been the thing for me um to be able to go back and listen to you know public enemy records from when they first came out to the newest stuff that they're putting out it's still Uh very meaningful and still very deep very very nuanced right so you're, you're saying right, Miss Dion. So are you a, a Public Enemy fan, or was it was, what in particular was he saying that you you really well, agree with? I think that it, first of all, the the cleanup factor more than anything else. You know, I want to hear what what uh, you have to say. I do. You know, that that's educating me. Um, that's you making me aware. CD just came out. 
just making me aware. And I, I feel right now was a conversation. You know, I don't want you to think that you can take advantage of me nor speak to me in any fashion. I, I'm, I, I demand respect and I give it when it's earned. So that's the way I feel about all of those, those words that, that are being said today. I love the way um, you explain um, some of your songs and, and just the, the intent and the impact behind them, which I, I definitely feel people received. I mean, you have so many songs that have done so well, all these Grammys and nominations and, you know, ambassadorships and all, all these wonderful things. Um, but even with all of that, you know, wonderful reception, has there, do you ever feel or ever felt any pressure or any um, people who thought you should have, you know, approach things differently, maybe in a more militant or, you know, position? And if so, you know, how, how did you feel about that? Well, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I never marched. I didn't carry signs. I didn't do any of that. Uh, but my presence was felt because I'm, like I said, I'm a doer. And um, no, I didn't feel that I should have to uh, condescend to anybody you know I was using a talent that was a pure gift and nobody could take it from me but the person that gave it to me and that's God so I'm worried about you thinking I should do something other than what I'm doing however you know it got to the point especially black radio I mean they played every single recording I ever made with no problems all of a sudden I became too white for them to be playing. And that had to do a lot with this, the change of music itself. Um, uh, being a black artist in, in a pop world, which was kind of relegated to those blonde and blue-eyed children, you know, it was like something completely out of the norm, which is okay. You know, uh, I remember Solomon Burke just saying to me, well, you opened the door for all of us to walk through it, which is a good thing. You know, I, that's what I'm supposed to do. If I'm supposed to be there to help you, I'm going to do it. Um, I don't think um, the kids today uh, have ever really been educated to the point that they should be. And I think it's now time for them to learn a little bit more about themselves. Learning about themselves, knowing that they come from kings and queens, um, and that they come from a land that is vast with every rich that you could ever think of, um, might straighten their little backs up and bring their chins <laughs> up a bit, you know? <laughs> I'm serious. I, I think it's necessary. I, I, lo I love it. So, you know, when you're talking about Black radio, and that had to be that had to be crazy, right? I just have, <laughs> right? I just have all this support and then for there to be this change, right? Where yeah. you're, you're still making, you know, incredibly um, impact, uh, impactful music. But I want to ask you about this. So you won the first artist to win, you know, the Grammy for best female pop and R&B at the same, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. unheard of to happen at, at that time. And so was that a really, was that a really big deal when, when that happened? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, well, I've, I've been known as the first kid. 
<laughs> I'm the first to do this. I'm the first to be there. I'm the first when they call when they need me to do something. So I'm I'm the first kid. But um, it was exciting to know that you know I'm the only one that did that. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm very proud of the fact that both my my folks that look like me and all those others that don't look like me decided that yeah I kind of like her. Right. Yeah. So it it was it was a a pleasure, you know, being being the first in those in those uh, particular genres. Yeah. I true. just I just think that, um, like I said earlier, a lot of education has got to be taught. Right. So that's a good segue for this question for. Um, for Gangster Grass, so you guys have a banjo, <laughs> a yeah, banjo, man. yeah, right. Um, as a part of your, your sound, and there's some really interesting history, you know, about the the banjo and um and black music, and and so I, I don't know if that was you know part of the reason why there was a banjo in there, but I know you guys know know about the history of the of the banjo in America. Can you talk about that? Um, I, I wish our, our banjo player was here with us. Uh, our banjo player, Dan Widener, who's an amazing, amazing player. Um, and he, we've actually done, we've done this in class. We've done classes where we talk to kids about the origins of the banjo and where it came from and where the music came from and how, uh, you know, in the, in the early twenties, when they really started recording music, they created these separate genres of music and just sort of took things from, you know, one place or the other place and said, well, this belongs here, this belongs here. Right. When in, in a lot of occasions, it was the same record, but they would put a different label on it, put a different face on it and, you know, sell it as, as race records and R&B, you know, to the same, you know, selling it to different people, but it's the same record. And so we've been doing that for, for a bit, trying to, trying to let people know that like, yes, this may, might be what it's called, or it may be, you know, what you've heard it as, but, the origins of a lot of it are very much the same. Right. And, you know, we often find ourselves telling a lot of people that bluegrass music and a lot of hip hop music, the origins of it are very much the same because they come from the same types of people, you know, mm -hmm. just regular folks living their lives. And, you know, in their time, they wanted to express themselves. Well, what did they have to do with it? Well, you know, in in the, the Appalachian region, a lot of the a lot of the people up there, they had you know they had fiddles and they had banjos and they would just kind of hang out creating their music. And a lot of hip hop cats were just you know somebody was beating on the table and somebody else started rhyming and you know then somebody brought their turntables out and it was still the same sorts of people just sort of expressing themselves yeah. in the ways that they had to do it. Uh, and so that's part of why the, we've been able to do this so well and bring it all together so easily because the origins of it are, are very much the same, are very similar, very much the same. And so the people listening to it are very much, very similar and very much the same. So they all kind of get it, even though sonically it's a little different. Yeah. yeah. There's, um, it's really interesting conversation. I, I you know, appreciate all, all this history. And I know there's a, Another part of it, the whole blackface element is that, you know, going back, you know, to these early, earlier times here uh, in America and, and as, you know, the banjo was a, such a huge part of the sound then. And then, you know, with the, with the rise of blackface and the, you know, the artists, um, white artists using the banjo also that I know that was just, just a weird, you know, kind of thing that that happened. 
Yeah. That, that, was, that was a part of the past that we absolutely have to confront, you know, knowing that the banjo was originally an African instrument, mm-hmm. came here in the minds of, of slaves that were brought in the Middle Passage and was introduced to the white audiences here through minstrel shows. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's, that's the fact of the, the racist history of this country, the way that that's going to go there. But, but the, the other outcome of that was that it spread and it was introduced to white musicians in a lot of ways and they started playing together and there was actually um, at the turn of the century in the, in the early 1900s uh, multiracial string bands black string bands white string bands all influencing each other and like arson was mentioning when the when the first record started getting made and sold um, it was during Jim Crow and they knew the audience was segregated so they decided that's how they had to sell it even though the musicians were all cross-pollinating there Exactly. You know, that it brings me to a point, too, where um, most people ask me, what category are you? I'm not, I cannot be categorized, which is the, nice. the beauty of it. And if you stop and really think, folks, anybody in this music industry has to know it's the same eight notes. I'm sorry, you know, you're right. or, or, you're right. or 13 if you're chromatically talking, but it, and it's just a matter of how they're used. So to categorize a music does not make sense. Music is music across the board. In, in one sense, I wonder, because, you know, we've grown up with terrestrial radio and most of the radio stations had a, a particular format but I feel like the internet um, and people listening to music online and creating their own playlists. Of course, people have their own music collections and everything, but I think it just made it a lot easier for people to really kind of celebrate their love for all different genres. Um, Do you feel like that's changing? Um, You know, that the newer generations, you know, are, they have like a wider span of uh, music, uh, you know, preferences? Yeah, one of the things that we always tell people is that uh, that um, you know you'd be surprised at how many people have Johnny Cash and Jay Z on their playlists, right? So that's yeah. why how very often how often it is so easy to do it, right? Um, and at the end of the day, um, there's a great uh, hip hop artist from North Carolina. His name's Fonte. Uh, he had a group called uh, was in a group called Little Brother, and he said, you know, just the most for me, one of the, the most basically simple things in the world, you know, for dope beats, dope rhymes, what more do y'all want, right? And as long as the quality is there, right, you have to, you, it all just sort of, it's, it's good, right? You know, regardless of what the, what somebody's calling it or what the name of it is genre-wise, if it's good, you can tell it's good. And so it, it, it's one of those things that'll affect you either way, regardless of what section of the, of the record store it would have been in. Yeah. This is me, you know, showing my age. <laughs> I do think that there is, we are seeing cracks right now because of, uh, you know, how much things are changing right now that radio is losing power. The old magazines are losing power. Um, the, the charts and TV stations, all of which were built by the industry along these segregated genre lines have lost a lot of ground to people just being able to stream whatever they want. And that has opened those gates. And it goes along with a lot of discussion that, that we're having 
other artists are having, like Rhiannon Giddens and Dom Flemons, um, talking about how much mixture there's always been in this music, about how there's always been black country artists, but they were mm -hmm. made invisible, and how our impression of these genres has been propped up uh, by, by these, uh, you know, imaginary divisions. And I hope that continues. I mean, we're going to see if these streaming services, you know, come in with, uh, you know, editorial uh, playlists that are going to replicate the same divisions or whether they're going to let this, you know, bloom into something that really um, breaks down those barriers. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Thank you. Um, there's a, you guys have this really interesting interpolation, your, your land, where you've taken Woody Guthrie's, uh, you know, this land is my land, um, and you, you did, you redid it. And I really like that. There's even like, there's a lyric that this land is your land. This lyric, uh, I, um, I stood there wondering if this land was made for you and me. I'm, I definitely really like the way you guys did that. Can you talk about how you chose that song to reinterpret? Austin, tell them about how the, how the show came together. We, uh, we actually were invited to do, um, for the 80th anniversary of the, of the song, uh, the Woody, Woody Guthrie Center. Uh, so we did a, we were invited out there uh, with an artist from Oklahoma named Branjay, and she's the, 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 the voice, the other voice that you hear on the song. Um, and we decided to put the whole thing together. Uh, Dolio, the other MC, and I added our verses. Um, and we, it was uh, the, the verses that, that Brian, our fiddle player, and Branjay sing are some of the, the lesser known verses of the actual song. The song's really long, there's a whole bunch to it. Uh, and so, we decided to add those verses, add our, our, our rap verses, and then when we performed the song live uh, at the show at the Town Hall Center in New York, we went a, a step even further with it, and we added, uh, if you know Nas's song, The World Is Yours, uh, we added at the end, uh, Whose Land Is This? The Land Is Yours, and we added that to really uh, just, just sort of bring the whole thing together. Like, you know, not only are we doing this thing here, but it's been happening. You know, these two songs, you know, 80 years ago, the world is, uh, you know, this land is your land, and 1994, the world is yours. All of that together was, is essentially the same sort of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so we decided to bring all of that together yeah. and really, really rep it as well as we possibly could. And, you know, we had a great time doing it. And, you know, big ups to, to, to Woody Guthrie Center for allowing us the opportunity to put that together and then uh, you know to 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 put it out on the album as well yeah yeah i i that's I, I love the research in you know looking at the different songs and finding the commonality between them and saying like hey you know they're all talking about the same thing and so let's bring it together i think that that's very very, very cool um is dion when are when you look at i don't know if it yeah. was instance when you brought the hip-hop artist to your to your home, but are there instances, you know, throughout the years where you've heard, you know, like a newer artist um, and something that they've done musically, whether it's a message or the way they delivered it that, you know, that also kind of to you was like a through line and said, hey, you know, this is, this is reminiscent. This reminds me, you know, of this other thing that, that, you know, has been done before. Any examples? Yeah, that you know, I, I met I met a little boy. He was a little boy when I first met him, and uh, we happened in England together at the same time. 
and his mother asked, <laughs> I mean, she looked, she can, can I introduce my son to you? Of course you can. And that little boy's name is Usher. Now, I've watched Usher grow to the young man he is now and musically grow. I, I have and I will all continue to be I've been very impressed with his growth. Yeah. Um, there are not too many I can say. Did you find like this young lady named Mariah Carey? I mean, really heart-wrenching, um, smile-worthy type of music that I love listening to. And I love her interpretations of them. Yeah, and again, there are not too many that are doing that. I personally listen to my peers. That's what I listen to. Yeah. I listen to Gladys and that's the Elvis Gerald, Sarah Bowman. You know, my musical taste varies. That's according to how I get up on what side of the bed I get up on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and how I begin to feel during the course of that day. But, you know, I have said, and I will continue to say, and I truly mean this, music is music. It's nothing but music. It, has, it doesn't, you can't categorize music. I don't care what you try to do. You know, it, it's, it's songs with meaning, songs with instructions, um, songs of, of everything that we really grew up knowing and caring about. Those are the kinds, that's the kind of music I want my grandbabies to listen to. Mm -hmm. I want to listen, I want to listen to people cussing at them all the time. <laughs> Does that make sense? Cussing at them, that's my new, that's my, my new, my new phrase. <laughs> Lo lo love it. Do, do you guys feel that um, all the social justice and the protests, do you, do you feel like that's helping uh, to bring music listeners together from different, you know, uh, you know, just bringing music listeners together from different genres, you know, just bringing everyone together? Because I, I feel like I've seen a lot more unity um, or more people um, of all different races really being vocal about the injustice of, uh, you know, yeah. of, of black, black people. So I'm wondering if you guys feel that that also has an impact um, on people in the music. Have, have you, have you also would... noticed the, the fact that 99% of this, these people that are communing finally are our babies, they're youngsters. Yep. And I've, I've said for many years, that's just going to bring this country back to what it's supposed to be, the babies. They're living it. They know what it is. They know what to do about it. Those are the ones that we have to depend on. They, you know, we've taken care of them for so long. Now they're going to take care of us. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Our, our son, are you, uh, I see you, you nodding. I, I would definitely say so. Uh, because one of the things... You know, that you've uh, it's, it's, particularly with hip hop um, over the last few years is that you've seen a lot of people that are more even if they're not getting caught up in it culturally eventually they do right mm -hmm. eventually right. You, you hear you hear it it becomes a part of you and you know you it becomes a part of you know you want to get deeper into it and start to find out a little bit more about the people that are involved in the people that are making it. 
And I feel like once you, once you start doing that, it's hard to hold on to any of that old division that, that was within you anyway. Right. Like regardless of, you know, I can't imagine how anybody in, you know, in 1964 heard, I say a little prayer for you and didn't just like whatever was going on in their head, weren't able to just let go of that. Right. Right. Exactly. And so I feel like when you when you're creating music and, and, and really reaching out to folks with that kind of with those kind of messages, it's hard to hold on to, to a lot of that, a lot of that evil that's inside. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think there's also something happening in the other direction as well, that the, the, the movement is bringing musicians in, you know, and saying you can't sit on the sidelines anymore. And people are, are being brought in to be invested in it. And in just the last few weeks. We've had Dolly Parton say Black Lives Matter. We've had Chris Stapleton say Black Lives Matter. We're talking white country musicians right. putting in on this, and that that really means something for to for it to to get to that to to get to that arena. I totally agree. Yeah, I think it's wonderful that that every genre uh, of music musicality has kind of entered the fray. Mm-hmm. That we're all saying, okay, enough, hey, yeah. enough. The- and and so for um, Gangster Grass, do you feel like your audience, do they like, uh, you know, that you've got more political, you know, on this new record? Like, what is it that they, you know, what do you feel like they are expecting and look forward from you? Um, it, it's, I feel like it's something they should, they should have expected from us from the door. Um, because it's, it's been such a meaningful uh, our catalog is so very meaningful. It's full of a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of, there's no throwaway music to this. It's all saying something, even if it's just having a good time, it's still saying something, right? And so you have to, you would have to expect that now in the times that we're living in, anybody that's ever said something would be saying a little bit more. And I, to 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 their credit, our fans have been right there with us. You know, nobody's been nobody's let go of us because we are, you know, trying to, to make an effort to, to 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 change the world a little bit while we have a good time. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Not, not one thing. Yeah. Good about the fact that we have fans that are not necessarily, you know, with the same program as us. So we're not just preaching to the choir. We do hear from people that are like, I don't, I don't know about this, but they're not running away because we, we bring such a positivity and a good time and letting people know, like, we're all in this together. So when they don't necessarily mm-hmm. already feel the same way we do, they'll right. listen and they'll, they'll give us some thought. And I think that that's a really important thing for us to go in and do is create these spaces where people that aren't already on the same page can stick around. And first they're partying together and having fun together. And that gives them that buy-in to say, we're not just gonna, we're not just gonna walk out the door when we disagree on something. Yeah. And when you, it's interesting because when you listen to the record, you do feel, you feel the mm-hmm. political moments and also the feel good moment. So it's not like the whole thing is just, okay, you know, here. And so I think that that was probably a good idea um, in terms of giving people, giving people a, bal- a balance. And if there were, since you just released this record, I guess my question would be, is there, if, if you had to pick one song that you feel was really reflective of what we're going through right now, which one is it? Or if there, or if you would create a new song and, you know, if so, what, what would be the title of that? And I have that question for you too, Ms. Tiana. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I forget that's a thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm thinking. 
Uh, I'm thinking either. Oh, I'm sorry. No good. Then. I'm thinking either uh, the song uh, "Ride with You," which is uh, the one we just put out the most recent video for, um, or there's a song called "Do Better" that we did, and uh, Wrench uh, put the hook together on that, and it's just those. You know, we all do better when we all do better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if everybody's if everybody's, you know, not only just living better, but just yeah. doing better in their lives, then then everybody's going to be. It's just that simple. A little pressure, a little responsibility on everybody, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um for you, Miss Dion, if you were to, you know, release a new song right now, reflective of the times, like what would you wanted to speak to or was there a title you think you would want to call it? All the things that we are so accustomed to seeing and feeling and doing um, stems from love. Really does. I don't care um, if it's a a personal or a combination of personal and communal. You know, everybody deserves to know that there's a certain amount of love attached to associations. So um, you know, it's it's just. Um, that's the only sound that comes to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. I know you made a surprise guest appearance on the verses with your two, your your two <laughs> besties, Patty, so Patty my, and Gladys. My, my sister. <laughs> your sister. You guys just blessed, uh, just blessed everybody with that. But that was a big part of the conversation and when listening to all those songs, you know, and it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Ama- um, what you guys have done, you know, throughout your careers and, you know, being healing and, and looking at the comments of people of all different generations, you know, just have respect, so much respect for what, what you guys have done is, I think it's really, yeah, it's re- really been, um, really been in, in, impactful. So I love, I definitely love, love that. Yeah. Okay. And so appreciated to you know, to know that, you know, when, uh, because my my technical ability is practically nil. Okay, <laughs> I'm surprised I got up on this uh, call <laughs> as quickly as I did. However, uh, I found that I I stopped my uh, people that work with me. Nobody worked for me; they worked with me um, in my office. I mean, they would be sending me all these text messages and all these emails. And I finally, I picked up my phone and I call. I said, the next email or text I get, I'm taking the phone and I'm taking the computer and throwing it away. <laughs> Pick up the phone and talk to me. <laughs> you know, I, I, what, why we've lost all communications with each other. We don't care enough to pick up the phone and say, hey, how you doing? You're going to write that in, in an email? Why? Why can't you just call me and make me feel good? Let me hear your voice. We've just gotten so distant. It's that computer. I hate that computer. I hate it. I, hate it. <laughs> I really, I do. I hate it. You know, and it has it's done a lot of detriment, uh, basically, especially to our industry. Mm. You know, and I'm a live musicians. Yeah, that is getting hard. Everything is a machine. And what kind of feeling can you get out of a machine? Wow. None, you know, and that that's 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 uh, we really have everybody's got to start rethinking and and regrouping. Well, so <laughs> um, all back together again. 
you make um, a lot of really good points there. And we've been hearing this argument over the years, right? Like we want to bring back real instrumentation. So with Gangster Grass, you know, the fact that you, you know, you guys have so much of that, you know, as part, part of your, your sound and your um, performance, I know people really, you know, I know people definitely love, love, love that. So I think that's a very valid yeah. point. So right now with uh, the quarantine and as you mentioned, people haven't been able to go, out and play live. Um, we have turned to the computer, the internet, you know, as a means to, you know, uh, communicate with people virtually and, and everything. So mm-hmm. for you, have you, um, have you done anything uh, virtually during this quarantine since you haven't been able to go out and perform live? Yeah, well, I've done a few uh, benefit performances, mm-hmm. raising money for different uh, organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, getting ready to do ones that, uh, with Gladys and Pat and um, I'm sorry and Stevie, I hope they get Elton as well. It's actually the third time that the three, all four of us, have been together to sing. That's what friends are for. It'll be for the Carousel Ball for uh, Mrs. Barbara Davis, yes. and that's uh, you know, and it's we're gonna we're all doing it virtually. Adapting, all right. We kind of have to do it, right? Given, yeah, given the times. Time. And um, gangster grass. I I've read something that said for you guys, this has kind of been a time for you guys individually, also to kind of take advantage of, um, I guess, honing your individual crafts. Can you talk about how you guys have been in, impacted by the quarantine and this pandemic and performance? So when we uh, when we uh, everybody went into quarantine, the lockdown and whatnot. Everybody in the band had their own at-home studio except for me. So I was stuck. Um, and then the, the whole band got together and a couple, actually a couple of our fans uh, and got me a, a bunch of equipment that I needed. And we were able to actually finish. That's how we were able to finish recording the rest of the album. We had three songs in the can uh, before the lockdown. Uh-huh. And then we couldn't get back in the studio and everything, and we were kind of stuck. So then I, you know, got all the equipment. We were able to just share all the files back and forth, send them all to Wrench, and he was able to put everything together. Um, and so, and you know, I will, I will definitely give that to to technology. That without without being able to do that, we would have been stuck. Uh-huh. And so it definitely helped out a lot. We've done a lot of live streaming stuff and put together whole videos of of performances that we've, you know, different festivals have played, the Philadelphia Folk Fest did one. And mm-hmm. uh, so we were able to, we've been able to do that. So, you know, all right, technology, well done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but, but it, it was the, t- the, the, the team got together and, and, and helped us get this whole thing uh, wrapped up in the midst of the, the mess that was my house and no instruments. But. <laughs> right. well, Thank goodness you're a student at being able to do that. <laughs> well, no, they had to teach me how to do it too. Like they sent me all this stuff and I was just like a caveman beating on the keys of my computer and I wonder what was going on. But they, they got me through it. The, the, the it team got me through it. We yeah. worked it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys have been incredible. I've had you for an hour, which is the, you know, the time that we, we asked for. So we really appreciate it. Um, Ms. Dion, I want to note that there was something in the comments that, um, that these guys, uh, Gangster Grass, would love to do a song with you. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, we'd love to see that conversation ha- happen and see what come right out. Would lo- love to, would love to hear that. But you guys have been incredible. I want to thank you for your continued efforts to just really make a difference and use your voices 
um, you know, just to, to help, um, you know, just to help spread love, bring people together. And, you know, as you said earlier, Dion, just, you know, just say what needs to be said and, and not, not to be uh, afraid of. And I think you guys have been incredible with, with that. And so I guess lastly, is there, you know, can you guys tell people how they can follow you? I don't know if you have social media handles that you, <laughs> you like to live, leave our website. <laughs> well, after, after you just told us about uh, put down the phone, put down the text and then call me. huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 Oh, I okay. just got something from Jackie. They're going to send all my info to you. So. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. I'm talking to the wrong person. <laughs> okay. Right. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so our son and, and wrench. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to, we'll get a, something to send you our new CD. I'd love it. That's definitely amazing. We'll be so honored. Um, for us, you know, if you put Gangster Grass into the internet, you'll find us wherever you like to get your music. You just uh, type it in there. Okay, find. I will do that. In fact, I'll do that. And that's for for all the uh, for all the listeners as well. People that are are looking for us, you know, uh, the, our handle is generally Gangster Grass. So um, mm-hmm. that out. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you all, and you guys have an incredible rest of your, your week. We appreciate your time. Thank, today. You, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, enjoy talking to you. Everybody take care and stay safe. Okay, yes. Music Day, a verified hit, is presented by the Living Legends Foundation, Inc. Real talk with experience. Please follow and share Music Day on Instagram at Living Legends Foundation and at Music Day Podcast on Twitter at The LLF Inc. Join us on Facebook, The Living Legends Foundation. Executive producers are Jacqueline Reinhardt, Mark Hill, Ken Johnson, and Pat Shields. Our associate producers are Shannon Henderson, Sheila Eldridge, Tony Winger, Vivian Scott Chu, and Varnell Johnson. Production by Mark Hill Creative. Talent booking, Black.LLC. Theme music by Wendell Wellman for Star Maker Global. Interstitial music by William Reinhardt. And I'm your announcer, Jay Johnson.